Fantastic articulation of understanding. Quickly, I will teach some and then we'll continue to pray. All right, the Lord is good. Are you ready? All right, quickly, one, two, let's go. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's quickly take our seats. Now, let's continue. Last time... I wanted to give an exhortation, but as it's typical, it's turned to be a series of teachings, so we are going to um, do as much of it as the Holy Spirit allows us. I want to start once again from the book of Acts chapter 10. Please open your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 10. We read it last time. We'll read it again today. The message that Peter preached in the house of Cornelius. He said from verse 34, and opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. Now, just to help us understand, before then, Peter still had the impression that the salvation that Jesus brought was for the house of Israel alone. But when God went through everything he did to bring him to the house of Cornelius, he realized things were not the way he thought. So he said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. He said, the word which is sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, his Lord of all. He said, you yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. He said, you know of Jesus of Nazareth. That's my emphasis. You know of Jesus of Nazareth. How God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And they also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he should be made visible. Not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Let me stop reading here, because the main thing I want is that verse 38. Peter was talking to the house of Cornelius, and he told about Jesus, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For he says God was with him. Now today, I want to emphasize something to us again. Let me just read this one again. All right. Um, Let's really open to the book of Numbers. Let's read that one also before I begin to teach. We're going to read from Numbers chapter 21. First, let me just read again from the 
New American Standard, and I will take the um, amplified rendering, which is very important. It says, of course, you know the story here. The people murmured against God, and then the Bible says that God sent serpent in the midst of them. He said in verse um, 4, And they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient because of the journey. And the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. And we lose this miserable food. <laughs> Just as an aside, God hates murmuring. You know, I keep on saying it. What did I say? He hates murmuring. He cannot tolerate murmuring from anybody. Please, this is an aside. If I just remember, I was reading, all right? Mm-hmm. He hates murmuring. What I keep on trying to remind people of is that there is no murmurer that does not feel justified. So the fact that you feel you have something to murmur about just means you have convinced yourself God should be angry with you. Even if everybody in the house of Job dies, he's not allowed to murmur. Even if all the businesses Job had disappeared, he's not allowed to murmur. Murmuring annoys God. What we call murmuring is not... That's not what we call murmuring. Murmuring that, look at it now. All my mates have moved forward. Look at where I still am. That's murmuring. What is murmuring? What have I done to deserve this? That is murmuring. What is murmuring? This is the fifth month that I have not been paid a salary. That is murmuring. What is murmuring? As at now... I mean, I should have had this number of children. I don't have any yet. That is murmuring. What is murmuring? What is the advantage itself of being a Christian? After all, unbelievers are enjoying these things. That is murmuring. Every murmurer feels justified. I heard John Bevere say something. That's message in that set you gave me. And of course, I like the way he coined it. He said, if God annoys you, in quote, if you're unhappy, bring it to God. Talk to him. Never complain to somebody else. If there's no food in the wilderness, just tell the people, I'm coming. Where are you going? I want to see the Lord. Then climb the mountain and kneel down. There's a Lord. There's no food in this wilderness. I know you're a good God, but I'm hungry. You need the two of you. Know the truth? That's a sign of faith. You came to him. It's a sign of faith. Of course, you didn't come to him to come and warn him. Next time, don't bring me out of Egypt. Too. <laughs> that you came to pour the burden in your heart before him. But to go and sit down, sorry, let me just quickly flip over to Malachi chapter 4. Please, this is not the message, you know it's not the message. It's just that it's a good opportunity. Be instant in season and out of season. So I'm just using this, this season, thank you. Even though it's out of season, I will use it to quickly explain some things that hurt people. Chapter 3, sorry, not chapter 4. He said, your words have been arrogant against me. Verse 13, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against thee? You have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his charge and that we have walked in the morning, that is humbly, before the Lord of hosts? He says, so now what do we see? The arrogant are blessed. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God and escape. 
Now, how many times have you said this? Now, don't put up your hand. How many times have you said this? In this country, the righteous get nothing. What kind of country is this? And you have reasons for saying it. God says, you are speaking arrogantly against him. Don't ever forget it. I'm not reading the rest of it. I just want to bring out that many of the things we do all the time, God calls it murmuring. We whine and complain. We think we are justified. God says you are murmuring. I don't expect that this is where I will be. There are those who now write or, or go and say, God, I have served God for 20 years. What has he done for me? You are going to fall sick over the next few months and die over the next few years if you continue talking like that. You know, sinners sometimes are the ones that are most blessed because they appreciate the blessing. Good people, God, they, because they, they come with an entitlement mentality. Why are you prospering? We give. That's your party. That is, I deserve it. There's one musician the other day. <laughs> I look at him, I said, see, I have nothing against him, personally. I don't know him. In fact, after he had won a major international award, I had to go and say, what is he even singing? Because I don't know what he's saying. I'm, I'm not saying he's not a good singer. I'm just saying that he doesn't sing in church. Do you get my point? <laughs> when we're doing praise worship, we don't see him. He doesn't come forward and say, let us lift up our hands to the Lord right now. And be, no. He jumps in clubs and plays. And then when I'm going around, I'm sure I've heard his music in passing, but I don't know who he is. Those days, at least, if he's somewhere like the band, you will know. I'm the band. That's what he first thing he tells you. <laughs> This one does not say it. <laughs> so I have nothing against him. But after he won his major international award, they interviewed him. He said two things which just told me, you won't go far. Now, that's not a curse, please. In case somebody wants to go and report it to him, tell him I said so, but not on a personal basis. It's based on principle. It's purely based on principle. Two things he said. I said, hey, little boy, you have ended your career. He said that if this was a country where things worked, I would have won this award five years ago. It's a country that encourages the youth. People like me would have won this award five years ago. And I still remember it was a video. I saw it on BBC. He said, what about it? He said, the award. He said, I deserved it. He had that smack in his face. He said, I deserved it. I deserved it. Or more. You deserved it. See, if you say that kind of thing continuously in the eyes of God, ears of God, I don't care which other sacrifices you made for success. God will end it. Righteous people can be arrogant and they don't know. They go to pray on their knees. Father, now we now. Leave all those sinners outside. I fast twice a week. Leave all that in Pastor Banky saying, I give a tithe of everything I get. My January salary, I don't touch it. It's my first fruit. If the first is holy, the rest is holy. So, Lord, operate your portion. I have done my portion. Have you not been told to pray like that? Yes, we teach it. I have done my part. Lord, you now do your part. God said, now, wow, headmaster. <laughs> it's, it's painful that preachers, preachers, I see, see the teachings all the time. It hurts me. That why are you leading the people of God astray? I said something on Saturday. I'll say it again. Those of you who have heard me, eh? you have no excuse anymore. God tolerated that nonsense in your life. It's nonsense. It's pure rubbish. 
But he tolerated it because he knew you did not know better. And this was how you were led. He said, but now I'm calling you to repentance. Don't ever go to prayer. Thank you, you deserve anything. You deserve nothing. David gave a prophetic word. If he were to number iniquity, if he were to number iniquity, nobody would stand. So if you are standing, it's because he chose not to number iniquity. Read it. Job, perfect man, even God testified. But when God stood to talk to Job, Job said, now I'm repenting in dust and in ashes. Even Job did not deserve what he got. And I have a strong suspicion in my heart that one of the reasons why he went through what he went through was for God to help him see the point. Job, I like you. I love you. Of all the men on the earth, you are one of my favorites. You are a good man to me. But you don't deserve what you are getting. I've seen Christians talk as if their life is working like this simply because they did the right things. Jesus said, if you come to prayer like that, you will not go home justified. Every time you come to prayer, ask for mercy. It's not sin consciousness. When we're young, those who say, don't walk in sin consciousness. I agree. Do not come feeling like a horrible sinner. But be full of gratitude that there's nothing you have that you deserve. That's why in Kingdom World Ministries, we put it together. You know, we have chance. We have chance. And when we begin to pray, we always say like this. We enter into the presence of the Father. We have come as renewed children of God. Each one of us as a renewed child of God. We have not come in the power of the good works which we have done. We have come only because of the grace and mercy which we have in Christ Jesus. Don't ever forget that. We have come only because of the grace and mercy which we have in Christ Jesus. We deserve nothing. No matter how much you have worked in righteousness, you deserve nothing. No matter how much you have done good works, you deserve nothing. The good works you have done cannot pay for the blessing he has given you. Like I say, as a matter of fact, that God gave us a simple method because you can... You can let enough differentiation and integration to know the material cost of your breath. I'm not kidding. You can know what it costs materially to give a heartbeat. Yeah, if you have enough time, it's a lot of, it's a lot of nonsense permutation, but if you have enough time, you can do it. It's rubbish permutation. You don't have to do it. But if you want, I can give you a guide. Then you can go be wasting your time, get a PhD. Maybe Charles Towns may even give you an award. All right? But there's a small principle. Jesus said, Solomon in all of his glory was not as arrayed as one of the flowers of the field that lasts for 24 hours. So the amount of resources that goes into put, making the flower beautiful for 24 hours is more than Solomon with his gold crown, his gold rings, the gem-studded crown, you know, gem, you know, the things he wore, his sash, everything as a king. He said, Solomon in all of his glory was not as arrayed. So just imagine Queen Elizabeth in Christ. The other day I was reading about the crown, the, you know, the yeah. gems on Queen Elizabeth's crown. All those things inferior to that Solomon had. It's cheaper than keeping a flower alive for 24 hours. If we have to bring it to material cost, God says, I put more resources into beautifying your rose flower, your hibiscus. 
It's more expensive because the living thing, those, those things are dead. You know, like uh, the, the gemstone is dead. These ones are alive. So go and do your PhD in calculation. So from there, go to what it takes a heart to be. I can give you how hearts beat. The signal, where it starts from. What, so if you can calculate it, basically, let me tell you the truth. Eh? Each day, you owe God more money for heartbeat alone. I'm not talking about breath. Motility of intestine, let's not even go there. If your intestine does not move, you will die. That's not a joke. We have a big name for it in medicine. We call it paralytic ileus. Your stomach will start distending. To distend long enough, one day it will burst. Before it will burst, anyway, we don't die. So no need. Don't worry about it. If you distend so much, you will not be able to take a breath. So that intestine, food or no food, must continue moving. That's why it makes sound. Sometimes you're sitting there, your head, it's a blessing. That, that sound you hear is a blessing. Some of these will sound from, from here, they will hear the end of the street. Just be thanking God. Because if I just hold one thing, you will need a Queen Elizabeth's crown, not King Charles's crown. You have to be given like five a day to pay for your heartbeat. So please, don't come doing calculation with him. I keep on saying that then. It's amazing people still, you know, Reverend Chooks, you will preach like this, like this, so people will still go home and still go and do their own. If you were God, won't you send you to hellfire? After all this warning, they say, well, all the good work that I don't do. Okay. No, wahala. Go and get paid. Righteous people can be arrogant. So when things don't work the way it's supposed to work, they are looking at the unbeliever like, God, you they see. Or maybe they are the ones, you know, come to church. They are the first to get there. They clean this place, give offering, share tracts, pray. They come, get one Broadway. That's when you go to the Wakakon church, like, man, what's happening, man? You know, just bouncing. Time to fast. They say, bros, I must walk. He said, when is fasting starting? Send the morning. Say, go and eat before. You do Muslim fast. You must eat before he starts. And if any time he's, he gets too hungry during the fast, you can go and eat, come back to continue the fast. We are here praying, just go across, take something, then come back and join the fast. And you are looking at him. Then when you are in church, he, people are joining evangelism and intercessory unit. He goes to join drama. <laughs> When people are groaning the spirit, he is laughing. People are there groaning. He's there laughing away, acting play. When everybody is prophesying, he's looking. What are they prophesying about? All he does is read his Bible. So the spiritual people are looking at him funny. So this one is not going to go far. Such a clown. The finish school is the first to get a job. It's the first to buy a BMW. <laughs> before, you do, before you blink eye like this, you don't marry one tree. <laughs> You're looking at him like God. You didn't check this thing, so. <laughs> ah, ah. Some people go to pray. Assume that brother's name is Ambrose. It's Ambrose as their prayer point. When they kneel down, Father, where you did? 
Father, in the name of Jesus, remember the devotion of my youth. But they are saying that, this one where I'm rose, they go, you should say you check him so. When they are saying, Lord, why will you remember me? All they are thinking of is, Ambrose did not serve you the way I did. There is no fellowship I did not bring two people. They are checking Ambrose. How God is judging Ambrose, you don't know. Righteous people can be arrogant. And it's pride. Start looking down at Ambrose. Say, this one too, we are going to the same heaven. Lie, lie. No, lie, lie. It's not possible. I've heard people say it. Uh-uh. There's no way God will not bless you more than bless him. God say, ah, how do you know? Can you read the faith in his heart? You can't. Righteous people can be, you know, you know what I mean by righteous people now? They can be arrogant. And this is the painful part. They don't know. They, they actually sit down there. I'm not talking to God. Why? See what he has done for other people. So why are you angry with him? Should have done for me too. Why? Your time and their time, is it the same? Are you going to the same place? The reason why we get angry is because we think we deserve. Anyone listening to this, either right now or later by recording, please never forget what is the message for this small digression. You deserve nothing. Anything you get is more than you deserve, so be grateful. Did you get my point? If God decides to just wake up tomorrow, now he doesn't sleep. Are you getting my point? Okay, when you wake up, God says, come, come, let me just kill you. Like Dr. Fagwemi said, you should tell him, thank you. Because that he allowed you to leave you tomorrow morning. You were supposed to die like three years ago. There's nothing like whining or grumbling or complaining. If you understand God well enough, you'll be full of thanksgiving. There's one the bishop we used to say those days. He said, even if God does not do anything for me again in this life, I heard him say this almost 30 years ago. He said, the one that he has done is so much that I need the rest of life to tell him thank you. That even if he doesn't do anything after today, it's okay. That I have so much to tell him thank you for. That is the attitude of those who are not arrogant. I hope you are getting my point. Many people are arrogant because somebody taught them how to do righteous works. Why are you prospering? Because I give. If you ever say that again, poverty is hanging around the corner. Next bend, when you bend like this, poverty will seize you like an armed man. I hope you are getting my point. <laughs> I hope what I'm saying is clear. That is a word of the Spirit. No more murmuring. God said, I don't want to hear any mumbling from any quarter. Even as you are hearing me, your child is in hospital. God said, go back there, kneel down, and give me thanks. I, like this morning we're praying in the house. I do that a lot. I tell you, everybody, yeah, bring out your hand. Count on ten fingers. Each person individually. Look for ten things. Ten to thank God for. Then I start reciting. They can pick from the things I'm saying. Sometimes we take it in turns. Each person, five things. So if you are at the back, your brain must work because the first person, that one is easy. But then the person thanks God for food, thanks God for water, thanks God for roof over the head and for clothing. Next one has to be more ingenious. <laughs> we are not the last. Ah, 20 things don't go already. 
And you know what? They always have. Oh, no, it's not hard. Just for you to know how to count. There's always enough. Like when I was leading the prayer, I said, listen, if I, I just had to use that so that you remember. I said that we have gathered here this morning and we have the opportunity to pray together. It's, no, it's a blessing. That we love the word of God is a blessing. If God closes your heart, sometimes I think about it, I say, God, please, I hope I'm not deceived. Be- yeah, because deception is horrible. You are wrong. You think you are right. You can't be corrected. And many people, God has given them over to deception. You are arguing with them from now to tomorrow. God, they don't worry yourself. I have refused him light. One assignment he gave is, uh, Isaiah. He said, go and deaden the ears of these people. Tell them, see and don't understand. Or hear and don't understand. See and don't perceive. Deaden the hearts of these people. So they will hear, they will not understand. So if you are hearing and you understand it, ah, I'd be grateful. Oh, be grateful. Be grateful that the word of God is interesting to you. It shows you are alive. That you pick your Bible, read it, and you don't understand it. It shows you want to understand it. I don't know what I get my point. Yes. That you climb this flight of stairs this evening to come and hear the word of God and fellowship with the brethren and pray to the Lord. Abba. Enough cause for thanksgiving. Please, I've not finished my digression. I have not finished. The most important thing on the earth is not a good road. I hope you're getting my point. Constant power, outward development is not the most important thing on the earth. How do I know? Because God saw it, yet he extracted Abraham from it and tossed him into the wilderness. In all, Abraham had it. The, the story about it, archaeological digging, showed that they had pipe-bone water. Many of us didn't think all these are modern. Abraham lived in story buildings with pipe-bone water before God called him. Tossed him into the wilderness the rest of his life. What's God saying? A built-up city is not the most important thing. Moses had it. God called him and sent him into the wilderness of Midian. What am I going to say? It's not the most important thing in the world. Sometimes it amazes me, Christians don't know how to judge the things that are important. Paul had to make it a prayer point in Philippians chapter 1, that the people will understand the things that are, how do you say it again? Excellence. You may know that. So, I still say it all the time. Please, let's, let's be open about it. There's no point deceiving ourselves. Talking in codes. Don't tell me there's constant power, constant road, and constant water. Is there constant road? <laughs> and you don't ask yourself, is there constant church? A bus driving somewhere in Europe, I think in the UK, a bus. If you, if you have that kind of bus in Nigeria, Agbero will burn it for you. you see the bus in a moment. That is even unbelievers will set it on fire for you. Boldly on the street of London driving around, it was written boldly. There's probably is no God anyway, so go ahead and enjoy yourself. And he's driving around. Commercial bus. 
this, um, there's another verse, somebody placed there. Yet the same boss will not carry John 3.16 for you. It's offensive in the United Kingdom. You can't put John 3.16 on the boss. Especially Romans chapter 1. Yet, it's driving around. There's probably no, there's, there's probably no God anyway. So go ahead. Have fun. And like I said to my classmates, there is insanity everywhere. Make up your mind the kind of insanity you want to live with. Don't ever forget it. When people don't acknowledge God, they have polluted the land more than those who take bribes. What am I going to say? When you want to sit down and be grumbling about your nation, <laughs> it's a sign you don't know what's important. Of what happens, you see the streets of Europe and look at why can't we have this in Nigeria? Ah, what I am saying is, see the churches we have in Nigeria. Why can't Europe maintain their churches? That's what I'm thinking. There was a time, I don't know how it is right now, I think in the UK alone, or one, yeah, not the whole of Europe, I think it's UK alone, they close an average of one church a week. These are churches that have existed for a hundred years. Some of them 200 years. On the average, one is closed a week. You know why? Nobody's going there. Nobody's paying the, paying the property tax. Nobody's maintaining it. So they close it. And they say, sell to anybody who will buy. And you know those who buy? Mosques, Muslims buy. Nightclubs buy. They do. Yet my people who God has blessed so much with revival, all they have to do is whine and complain about water is not constant. Meanwhile, rain is constant. Rain is constant. We don't have constant electricity. Meanwhile, sun is constant. I hope you know constant sun is important for your sanity and survival. Agriculture. Health. Let me say it to you again. God hates murmuring. And he applies that hatred to murmurers. Did you hear what I said? What did I say first? He's murmuring. The concept of murmuring turns him off very badly. And he applies that hatred to murmurers. Let's continue teaching. That's a side trip. What is the antidote to murmuring? Say it loud. Make Thanksgiving a habit. You enter your car, close the door. Father, thank you for this door. Doesn't close properly. I say thank you for the door. No car to enter. Thank you, Lord. It breaks down. Thank you, Lord. It starts again. Thank you, Lord. You buy a new one. Thank you, Lord. You just fill everywhere with thanksgiving so that God is always tuning to your frequency. Have you noticed something? You don't like taking calls from people that complain a lot. Yeah. Sometimes they're not really whining, no. Just anytime they call, you know there's a problem. But those who just want to greet and laugh and just see how you're doing and maybe send you something. Before the thing finishes ringing, you don't snatch up. Before MTN decides to cut the line for you. <laughs> Have you noticed it? 
No, this is not rocket science. We're built like God. That's how it is. Do you know? I have some, somebody I know is a classmate of mine. If you post 10 videos, no, 20, I probably click on one out of 20. And that one must have a small size, 1 MB. If it's 5 MB, I don't bother. You know why? I'm almost sure that what he wants to show me is one infrastructure in Nigeria that has decayed. He wants to show me some soldiers that were killed by bandits. He wants to show me kidnapped people in, in the kidnappers' den. He wants to show me, again, statistics that show that power, uh, what, grid collapse has happened eight times in one year. Forgetting that if grid collapse happens eight times, it must have woken up at least eight times. Because if he, if, if he never woke up, there will have been only one grid collapse. Yeah. Is that my logic? Yeah. For you to have eight grid collapses, the thing is working. And these are the things he says every day. Post something positive for me now. Maybe it happens once in a mistaken while. Now by chance. I'm not angry with him personally. I just found out that anything he posts, I don't read. If it's a long message, I d- you know some of them are actually say, let's, let's, let's delete. You know why? Remove the temptation out of your life. You, know, you are burying your head in the sand. This one, you are burying your head in the mud. Which one is better? What do you want to tell me that I do not know? That there's trouble everywhere? Of course there's trouble everywhere. Protests all over the streets of France because of high prices and difficulty of getting foil. You're not aware of that? It's everywhere. What do you want to tell me I don't know? We don't like people who call to tell us troubles. There was one guy long ago, he had a serious problem. Those are the early days when I was when I was preaching on radio, and I had not learned some things. So I could I take I used to take calls from strangers. Sometimes they get my number from odd places. Please don't be angry with me if you call me. I didn't answer. I don't answer. It is not only you. I don't answer anybody. You know the man of God. That is part of my man of Godship. I don't answer. Look, is it? What do you mean? So don't go and smuggle to get my number. I won't answer you. I don't bother. It's only when I have their number stored. And I know what they want to say. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So these are those early days. People get my number from different places. This guy called me. So this one, somebody asked permission. Can I give him your number? He told me the situation. I said, okay. He called me the first night. Not a problem. I took the call. He spent time telling me all the problems in his life, and I heard everything. When it was done, I prayed for him. I encouraged him with the word of God, and I promised to continue to pray for him. Then he called me another time. Maybe he forgot. He told me all the problems again. I don't want to give you details. It's a very serious problem. You pity him if I told you. So here he is right now. Landed in this hospital, doesn't know what to do with his life. He talked to me. I heard him again. Again, I encouraged him with the word of God. I prayed for him. He called me the third time. I never answered him again. Never did. Never did. If he calls, he rings out. I don't bother. Never did. What was the reason? Each time my phone rings, he drains my spirit. 
Yeah, I know you have problems. I know. So what do you want to do? It's time. And then I'm trying to encourage you with the word of God. I'm not even seeing any faith being reciprocated from your side. You would line up the whole problems for me again. After I heard it twice, I'm not sure I heard it a third time. I never picked his calls again until they stopped calling me. I've learned now, people, on the home body called me, are you so person? person? It's like, um, who is this? You don't know me, then why are you calling me? He said, please, I want you to pray for me. I said, please take this number down. I gave him your number. Call Pastor Okemute. No, many people don't know. I said, and you know some people, they think they have sense. When I tell them, call this person, they want to show, say, ah, uh-uh, I'm a big man too. Remember that woman one day was calling, calling Reverend that she wanted to come to radio to be interviewed to discuss some things. Inka called me, I said, Inka, I know they go. So the lady felt Inka was blocking. So she went around, used other higher methods and got to me directly. No problem. I agreed to go. You know when I remembered? The day after the program. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, see what I love. If this woman has talked with this man of God, <laughs> the reverend, I know what he used to do. If the program is 8 o'clock, he will come in by 7.30. So I hope you are ready. For what? I know he will have reminded me. Well, of course, she wanted to use uh, we know people too. Now, so uh, I never went for that program. I never did. I totally... I totally forgot. I totally forgot. Sometimes I tell people, okay, please, talk to Pastor Okemote. They feel like, ah, what is it? Why can't we talk to you? Say, if you talk to Pastor Okemote, he will have talked with you, heard everything, prayed with you, and then come to tell me, say, ah, Pastor, I think you should talk to this person. And once he says that, I always do it. You know, I ask you later, did the man call you? He never did. I said, ah, Okay. Because now I said, ah, the problem I have, I said, hey, you think I want, you know, people don't get it. You just call me on the phone, I don't know you. You want to tell me the problem you have? Do you know the one I have? <laughs> hmm. I'm going to emphasize to people is this. Even God doesn't like hearing that kind of thing. Anytime he hears from you, groan, groan, hello, who's that? It's me, your friend, your son, Abel. Abel, what's the issue? You have blessed Andrew, you have not remembered me. Go, your hand before <laughs> Say, who's that? And I just hang the phone. Maybe one angel is just there beside God. Hello, Lord. Lord Jesus. Andrew on the phone. Say, tell him I'm user busy. Come on, user busy. The angel said, Lord, what are you doing? He said, okay, and talk to him. Say, Lord, say, what do you want to, what, what do you want to tell the Lord? Tell the Lord, this guy doesn't answer my call, so. <laughs> the angel like, what did you say? He has, ble- he has, ble- he has blessed Andrew. He has blessed Philip. He has, blessed, he has blessed Bartholomew. The other day I saw Matthew driving a new car. And I saw even Judas, the wife just born. What are you talking about? <laughs> the angel will say, my friend, will you get up before I, before I enjoy? The angel will slam the phone down on you. Listen, when you want to go to God, remember to go appreciating him. Like Bishop Oedipo would say those days. He said, they stole your goods. He said, but I thank God you are not a thief. So it is you that they stole something from. He said, Lord, I want to thank you. So me, they are thieves in this life. I want to bless your name that I'm not a thief. Even Judah stole from Jesus. I feel like Jesus Christ right now. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
At least now I know I'm not going to, I'm not going to betray anybody. But once you are stealing, you go soon betray somebody. No, do you get my point? That's how you reason. You know, some people say, Lord, after I tithed, you did not rebuke the devourer. What's your reform policy like? <laughs> because if I give you time or something, they can't see. The first time they introduced me to this tithe and rebuke devourer thing. I've been in the of Benin for like four years. Nobody ever stole things that belong to me. The first day they said, tithe, prove me now. A tip just went, cleared all the clues I had on the line. Targeted me that they removed everything. So I went and met the man who said, prove me now. I said, bro, you said, prove me now. I have proved him now. My stuff is gone. He said, no, it's a seed. It takes time to germinate. I said, no. I said, no, this is not why you, I know Google. You told me, prove me now. <laughs> the Lord is good. People will call God be whining about what he hasn't done for them. He doesn't take your call. I'm not kidding about it. You are just praying to yourself. You don't know. Then I said, Lord, this is the fifth day on this matter. You've been answering everybody. Is that the kind of God you are? We say this is all the time. It's like a joke. We do it all the time. I went to the time to emphasize something. Those who murmur feel justified. So those who murmur against the Lord, they feel justified. They feel they have something to murmur about. Israel was hungry. They had children that needed to eat. They were thirsty. Yet God was angry. Let's continue reading. That's the end of the digression, all right? Remember, please check how many minutes it was and remove it from the time and then start counting again. All right. Mm -hmm. Verse 5. And the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? We're in chapter 21, remember, of Numbers. For there is no food and no water, and we lose this miserable food. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to start talking about that low thing the one God has given you. You know, Af- Nigerians, one of the best foods God gave us, we lose it. One day I went to work. I carried Gary with groundnut and all the other blessings that normally goes with it. And everybody was looking at me funny. They said I should close the door. Why? People will not see me so gary. Why shouldn't they see me so gary? In fact, I think I should take, next time I'm going to the office, Gary is going with me. And when I want to eat, I throw the door open and video it. <laughs> my children are used to it now. In the morning, I can come down, call my daughter. Mena, say yes, daddy. I ain't get me gary there. Not a straight, it's not a strange thing anymore. You know how my life changed? One day I entered the kitchen. I wanted to eat. Most breakfast, I make my breakfast, apart from weekends, of course. It's just a light breakfast. I usually take, do my breakfast myself. Just go there, take bread, take cornflakes. All right? Just things like that. You know, different kinds of cereals. So that day I just saw this, you know, this Danaplast, this transparent thing that has a very tight ceiling cover. I saw it hanging on the shelf. I was not sure what it was, but it was granular, white, nice looking. So I thought it was maybe golden moon or something. I said, this one we serve. And I brought it down. I brought every other thing that was supposed to go with it. Then I opened it only to discover. It's cassa flakes. <laughs> cassa granules. 
Oh, now Gary said, so I carried it. I was about to add, raise it up to put it back. Then my spirit spoke unto me <laughs> and said, so what is wrong with it? Is this inferior to oats? I eat oats a lot of mornings. And for that season, I used to eat oats a lot. Is it inferior to oats? No. So is it because Onyeboman brought ground, you know, uh, uh, they call it conflicts? Did you not have guguru before they did brought conflicts? You know what they call guguru? It's not the same corn. Then my spirit said, bring that thing back. <laughs> I put it down and soaked my gary down morning and I put granite. And since that day was the revelation. That God has given us breakfast, we despise it. It's my wife that puts me into this sausage breakfast thing. Oh my life. I didn't, why do anybody eat that? I eat it now, but don't worry about it. It's not important. Whatever I said before, you eat it without asking questions. It's all grumbling. I found out that that is one food. You know, you know what I like about Gary? I'm not selling it to you, but you know what it is. <laughs> it's not expensive relative to other foods. It's very easy to store. And preparation is the quickest. If you have only water, you have food. Truffles. If God now gives you, what is the botanical name for granite again now? Somebody said G nuts. What kind of nonsense biology? That's how people feel biology. If God now gives you that thing, you now put it inside. And you now turn it like this. You see, that's how the rivers of Zion moves. Concentric circles. I think I can feel stomach. How else do you describe manna? Some of you have grumbled. That's how manna tasted. <laughs> So now me, you can come to my house breakfast time, you are my guest, I'll give you bread and egg, me, I'll eat gary and granite. If you don't like it, you can't talk, I'm the one that gave you bread and egg you're eating. You know, some people think it's a sign of poverty. That's why I have to say it on air. It's not a sign of poverty, it's a sign of the blessing from heaven. I mean, think about it. Let's not stay there. Because I have to get to my message. Please, who's timing? You remove this time again because these are, these are other things. These are other things. I mean, you should be paying me for this. I mean, you're not even saying that, Pastor Hori. Where are you going? The Lord is good. So they said, <laughs> they said, we lose this miserable food. Now let's get back to the main message. And the Lord sent fairy serpents among the people. And they beat the people so that many people of Israel died. Please, let me say this again. Another comment. Many problems we have in life is tied to grumbling. You hear what I said? They grumbled about food. They became sick with snake bites. Who will have tied it to? Natural tie will have been that they should become sick with stomach upset. No. They were sick from snake bites, when they grumbled about food. Many people grumble about food in the morning and their businesses don't do well that day. See, God hates 
not being appreciated. And you know, if you know actually what it passes through to bless you, you will know why he hates grumbling so much. Where I'm bringing is this, what I'm bringing out is this. They grumbled about food, yet they became sick with snake bites. Please take these lessons. Anytime you are eating, whether the food is tasty or not, even if the beans has stone inside, or they didn't put enough salt in the onogu soup, once you start with, Father, we thank you for this food. Please, don't whine after that. You know, last time I said, please read the book. We walk by faith. One of the things I like about my learning in life, now, this, you see where I'm going. I've learned a bit about quantum physics. All right? And I understand quantum physics. Niels Bohr and Co. explained the power of your observation in creating reality. Physics. They know that your observation can create reality. It will turn particles, change the way they spin, decide whether these particles exist or don't exist based on whether a human being is observing or is not observing. Serious about this. So faith is not actually a way of making yourself feel good. It's a creation of reality. By faith, you create reality around you. This is where I'm going. Do you know if you attack food with the proper attitude of thanksgiving. If you come to every meal with the proper attitude of thanksgiving, food that is not enough will satisfy you. Food that has poison will be detoxified. You eat poisonous food and you will go to sleep normally, wake up normally. You will never find out you ate poisonous food. It will be deficient in crucial nutrients, yet it will be inserted because you are eating. Faith creates reality. Faith is not the denial of reality. Faith is a creation of truth. So they came to Jesus. There's not enough food. The people are too many. He said, let them sit down. What do you plan to do? He said, I know what I plan to do. Because he himself knew what he would do. They took the bread, took the fish, and did what? Did they say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I begin to prophesy multiplication upon this food. This food now, as we begin to break, you begin to multiply. Multiplication is your portion. I'm the son of God. I have authority over food. Everybody that comes to me will not go home hungry. Did you do that? Some of our, sometimes you Christians pray. Please, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to be critical. But I look like, why are you suffering like this? Sometimes the Christians say, why are you suffering like this? I, I'm just wondering, what is the problem? Are you going to the cross? Because I'm just one trying to... No, no, seriously, I just want to know. Jesus raised Lazarus. He didn't shout as much as this one you are shouting. The only time he prayed like that, he was going to the cross. Are you going to the cross? Sometimes these prayers are complicated because we don't have a background of the proper spiritual climate around us. One man of God said something. He said that one day he asked the Lord, why does it take me so long to get results in prayer? And the Holy Spirit told him that, look, what's going on? It is not the prayer result that's the problem. You pray for three weeks, you pray for four weeks, one month, 
most of the first day I heard you, the rest of the time you are attacking your unbelief. You are fighting unbelief. You are fighting unbelief. You are fighting the effect of murmuring in your life. That's keeping the blessing of God away from you. When I heard that day, around that time was when I, 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 um, I taught the series, The Fight Against Unbelief. When that man opened my eyes, I had to go and study how to fight unbelief. If you fight unbelief, the prayer will be shorter. Anyway, that's, that's another, you know, when I talk, we drop many things. The main thing I'm saying is that Jesus, what, what, what was the, the only thing he did? When the food was small, what was all, all he did? Give thanks. He said, man shall not live by bread alone. He understood that, listen, what we see is created by faith. Oh, please go and read the book, We Walk by Faith. I'm begging you. Even when I wrote the book, I have to go and write, read it again. Because in it, I try to show to Christians that you choose the realm you want to walk in. There's a reason why Paul said that no matter what happens, I can live, and I live independent of circumstances. That is, if you give Paul a job that's 5,000 naira a month, one that's 50,000 naira a month, another one that's 500,000 naira a month, say, so pick one. He doesn't know which one to pick. He said, but sir, the money is different. Says the same thing at the end of the day. What did you say? And he wasn't joking when he tells you that. He says the same thing at the end of the day. He said, with this one, I can quickly buy a car. He said, with this one, I can buy a car too. Why? Because if I need a car, I get on my knees. It's not by the amount of money I've saved. And that big one you are giving me, listen, give me like this. The day after you give me, I've given out most of it. So say, look, let's leave money aside. What am I supposed to be doing? This one you'll be fishing. This one you'll be preaching. He said, give me the preaching one. I'm, that's the one that said, that pays only 5,000. But he said, I'll be preaching. To Jews or to Gentiles. He said, no, if you want to preach to Jews, that one is 50,000. Right? He said, no, no, give me the one for Gentiles. Why? My life has to be poured out as a drink offering. This is why I live. This is why God gave me life. Paul said, I have learned to live independent of circumstances. There's a particular translation, I, I, um, Philip's translation. Oh, no, Wade's translation. Let me see whether I can quickly get it. I have the quote somewhere here. Let me see whether I can quickly get it. Yes. Oh, this is beautiful. Philippians chapter 4 from verse 11. Don't open to it. This translation you don't have. He said, do not think that I speak thus as having felt a pinch of want. He was talking about the fact that they sent him stuff. He said, no, I have learned in whatever condition I am to be independent of circumstances. I am schooled to bear the depths of poverty. I am schooled to bear abundance. He said, in life as a whole and in all its circumstances, I have mastered the secret of living. That is how to be the same amidst repletion and starvation, amidst abundance and privation. I am equal to every lot through the help of him who gives me inward strength. That's Will's translation of Philippians chapter 4, verses 11, 12, and 13. See, faith. By faith, the money is 10,000 naira. It will get the results that those who have a million get. That's it. Faith is not just a way you make yourself feel happy. Faith actually creates reality. That is why you read that God speaks of those things that be not as though they were. They become in the life of the person that has faith. This world is always generating unbelief for us. 
We focus on cholesterol and it starts growing. Do you hear what I said? We, you know, we create... Science, they don't realize it. They help us create disease. Every disease has its day. World diabetes day. World glaucoma day. World heart, heart disease day. Different kinds. They keep it day. The, the, the idea is that, look, this is the day we focus on that disease. What they are thinking is that so that we can prevent it. No. What they are doing is magnifying it. We should have World Jesus Day. Okay, the world will not do it. Church should have Church Jesus Moment. I don't want to say day. It's every day. In fact, what I plan to do today, let me see where the time will go because... It's not the normal prayer because we talked about different kinds of prayer here before. One of my plan today was for us to pray with conversation. What am I praying with conversation? We just talk about the Lord. It's not like I'm sick or if you want healing, put up your hand. No. Let's not talk about sickness. Let's talk about the healer. Let's magnify the healer. Please, please, I'm begging you read that book. We walk by faith. You can download it free. It's online. If you just use this bit link, Faith Book 2022. Right now, so you're listening to this, you download it. That's bit.ly slash faithbook2022, or small character. That is the faithbook2022. Let's continue reading. The Lord sent fairy serpents among the people so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord. And you, intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us and Moses interceded for the people. The answer God gave was not what they asked for. They said, remove the serpents. God said, no. What about those who have been beaten? If I remove the serpents, yes, new people would not be beaten. But the ones that have been beaten might die. So the Lord said to Moses, make a fairy serpent. And set it on a standard that is a, like a flag, a pole. And set it on a standard. And it shall come about that everyone who is beaten, when he looks at it, he shall leave. Now that verse 8 is what I like to read in the Amplified Bible because it is so, so, so instructive. Verse 9 now. And Moses made a servant of bronze and put it on a pole. If a serpent had beaten any man, when he looked to the serpent of bronze, attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. Please bear this in mind. Jesus said to us later in that John chapter 3, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so whoever believes in him will in him have eternal life. The same thing he's saying here. That is, life is what you give to the person who is sick. I hope you're getting my point. And if the person who is sick wants to receive life, there's just one way. He will gaze at the Lord, that is the serpent, on the pole. He will gaze upon him attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze. So that way, he lives. The problem we have a lot of times in Christianity is that we want quick, you know, simple remedies. And I've noticed something about people. It's very common. I've seen it again and again and again. 
And it's now I understand why God doesn't like quick remedies. Usually when he gives them the quick remedy, they, all, they give him the quick disappear. Do you hear what I say? Somebody comes to church. This is the problem I'm having. You lay hands on the person, and if that produces instant healing, you most likely will not see that individual again. Now, let's get something clear. The main thing God wants to give us is not bodily healing. That's not the main thing. I'm not saying he doesn't give it. I'm just saying it is not what? The main thing. In fact, I dare to say, many believers wouldn't even go through those afflictions if they would just focus on the main purpose of life. The truth is that, so David said like this, before I was afflicted, I went astray. The truth is that affliction many times actually draws attention. It does. It draws our attention to focus, and God likes drawing attention. He does. When he wants Moses to notice, he sets the bush on fire. And when he sees that, he turns around to look. Can I say something to you? If you are afflicted in any way, next time you are going to relieve the affliction alone for a moment. Focus on something else. That's the kind of prescription I like to give people. If you put your affliction in front of you all the time, it's more difficult for the Lord to solve. I hope you are getting my point. The most important thing he's doing is not physical healing, but what? Spiritual healing. Internal healing. That's it. You know, I was listening to that um, um, John Bivere say something. He quoted something this man said. Um, Jim Baker. Jim Baker, I've told the story here a number of times. Jim Baker is a man who went to jail. Was a very, was America's most well-known evangelist on television. He was always on TV. They call him televangelist. Okay? He was number one. I mean, many households, millions of households tuned to him, is to watch him almost every day or every week at least. And then one day, something went wrong, something went wrong here. Some people tried to blackmail him, and then they had to try and cover it up. They said they had an affair with one woman, which the story is long. And then the way they were handling finances in the ministry was kind of upside down. Then federal, that American IRS began to investigate. FBI said it was... um, defrauding people. They charged him to court and the judge that handled the case sentenced him to 30-something years imprisonment. I always say, <laughs> even though I make it sound like a joke, but it's true. I say Americans don't have a justice system. They have a vengeance system. They sentenced him to 30-something years imprisonment total. So he said, I mean, I'm going to die in prison anyway. So he was in prison, but let me just quickly add this other part before I tell you what I want to say. After some time, God had him released. That is, God changed the sentence to just about five or six years. So he came out of jail in a short while. But while he was in prison, he asked um, this man to come and see him. And John Bever. And John Bever said, he told him, this guy told John Bever, that my prison sentence was not judgment from God. It was mercy. He was in prison while he was saying it to. He didn't say it when he was outside. outside. So I'm in prison now. He, still, he had never met John Bever. Just he, wrote, he read his book. So he said, let me contact this preacher whether he will agree to come and visit me. Of course, they all knew him, so he agreed to come. Senior preacher, of course, to him, to the, to the young man who wrote the book, John Bever. He said, look, John, <laughs> I'm in prison. It's not God's judgment. It's God's mercy. He said, the way I was going. He said, the way I was going. He said, hellfire street. Yeah, he said it. He said, the way I was going. He said, God needed to stop that trajectory. He said, God brought me to prison. He said, it's a sign of his mercy, not his anger. 
He sat in prison. His sentence was 30-something years. For the first few months or so, I don't know how long, I read the book. And if I used to have it, I don't know where it is now. It's still be in my house. I was wrong. Very big book. For the first few months or I don't know how long, he was angry. Then after a while, he calmed down. And then, you know, he began, he began to learn. First, he learned to forgive. After he learned forgiveness, part of the process of forgiveness was he had to pray for everybody. So he prayed for everybody that God used in this affliction, including the judge that sentenced him to a virtual life sentence. Because if you are 40 years old, they say go to jail for 30-something years. You say, check him. I don't know how old he was that time. Maybe he was about 50. So think about it. It wasn't going to be easy. So he prayed for them, prayed, he kept on praying for them. When he had learned and began to correct his doctrine. Give and collect, give and collect, sow seed, prosperity, all your life is about. He said, hey, that's not the truth. He took his Bible and to his surprise, he had not read the Bible in a very long time, actually. How can you read the Bible? The way he was going. <laughs> he began to read the scriptures again. He was reading his scriptures. He was reading, reading, reading. He began to unlearn a lot of things. And when God saw that he had unlearned enough, then one day he had commotion. He said, what is it? He said, guess what? Your sentence has been thrown out. Because he got a new lawyer. And the new lawyer reviewed the case. And he said that your old lawyer is a bad lawyer. So he appealed, not the conviction, but the sentence. He said that sentence was given by a man who had a personal issue against his preacher. And he proved it. By small statement, the man made the sentence. The man said, you modern preachers make us conservative uh, old Christians. By saying you and us, by us. So the court of appeals took the sentence and threw it away. Gave him to another court that he should be resentenced. That one slashed all the sentences massively. Where they gave him five years, they gave him six months. Where they gave him seven years, they gave him six months. They tied everything together, it came to about five or six years. Less than six years. And he had been in prison for some time. He had just a short while to go. It was not legal maneuvering. It was God saying, let my oppressed go free. It was a decree of the Almighty after he had learned his lesson. So I tell Christians, stop focusing on your affliction. Focus on how much of Christ is being formed in me. That's the problem. Sometimes, you know, people focus. I see prayer. Prayer is focused so much on solving affliction. It's not, solving, it's not focused on solving people. How much is Christ being formed in you? That should be the focus. Not the affliction I'm going through. Oh my man, all the wine. Look, if you don't stop whining, you will whine for God will give you reason to whine for a very long time. And if you seem to come out of that problem in the midst of whining, you are being set up for a greater problem later. What am I going to say here? These people began to whine. Affliction came. God said, Hey, don't focus on the serpents. Focus on the solution I have on the pole. And what is that solution for us? What is that solution for us? Christ. What is that solution for us? Christ. And this is the beautiful thing about it. You focus on Christ, it solves problems that you don't even know existed. That's the thing. That's the beautiful thing about focusing on Christ. The main thing God is doing in your life, please. <laughs> God's primary assignment in your life is not this prosperity thing. You know, I hope you have settled it now. I hope you understand it. He will meet all your needs. He will supply all your needs. Look, listen, you won't go hungry. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I pray we learn not to worry. There's no need to worry. Don't worry. Just ask the Lord, what are you doing in my life? 
What changes do I need to make? What are you doing in my life? What changes do I need to make? The way the Lord has taught me, every problem I have, I look upward and inward first. Every, I don't want to start telling you stories. Every problem, I always look upwards and inwards first. First. I say always. If I'm going on the road and then maybe I miss my direction and my car falls into a ditch. First I look, I first look around for which angel pushed it. I don't look at demons. You know, some people say, enemy, I knew Satan was up to something. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if I get to my house now, eh? And somebody has removed my charger. There's a place I plug it permanently. Who's the first person I suspect? My wife. Thank you very much. Next, after that, nobody. Bingo does not come to my room. I have a dog in the house. But doesn't come to my room, doesn't remove my charger. I know who to suspect. Number one culprit, you know who she is. She's the one that we, let me tell you what my wife does to me. I buy long charging cables. She has one side of the bed. I have an anointed side of the bed where I do all my anointed things. Then after I watch, she says, this cable is not working again. And without any, just removes the, my own that's still working and gives me the one that's not working. <laughs> then I collect the bad one and give the Lord thanks. Then I arrange it, I fix it. Then the other one she took that was working, after some months, it removes and says it's not working again. Then collects the one that I fixed and give him back the bad one. And then you know what I do? I give thanks again. So if my cable miss, I know who to ask. Then when she says it's not the one that took my cable, and I look at the children. Which one of you had the boldness to come here to collect my cable? It never crosses my mind that is my neighbor. It never crosses my mind that is my bingo. So why is that when I have trouble to be crossing my mind is the devil? Is it my friend? That's where the Jesus was going. He didn't get the point before. <laughs> so why is it that when something goes wrong, I say, Satan, push my car. Is he riding inside? Is he a policeman on the road? What is it? And I say, hey, Satan, I'll push my car. My partner entered it. And I knew the devil was up to something. Walk out to Satan. Can't even come near. Nonsense. If my car enters the ditch, I, I first look around. Which of these angels? Because they are the ones that ride with me. They are the ones who gave charge concerning me. So, like, what is going on here? Where were you? Why did you? Because I don't even think they are negligent. They are mighty in strength. It is not possible for my car to outpower them and fall into the ditch when they said no. So, I always hold them responsible. So, why did you push this car into the ditch? As they normally they don't talk to me, I look up, Lord. These are where we are going is not good. You would have said it gently now. Why do you want to break my heart too? In tra- <laughs> eh? If the shaft spoils now, you know, so now you go bring money, fix this thing. No? no, God knows I'm not just preaching to you. That's exactly how I react. I just bow my head, be looking at the tire. So, Lord, it's inside the ditch. You don't want us to go. You don't want us to go. That's how, that's how I reason. You don't want us to go. I'm doing. I'm scanning inside. I will go in in strife. I will go in unbelief. I'm checking. I'm scanning. I'm scanning. What is, I don't always get an answer. And that's what faith is. Even though I don't get the answer, I still give the Lord thanks. I say, Lord, now this tire has to come. You know this car is heavy. It has to come out of here. Maybe the only midday. How do we get it out? We start watching out. And you know what? God gets tires out. One way or the other, he'll get it out. 
told you my friend was going like that on the road. Two men came from inside the bush, jacked his tire for him, changed it, and disappeared. The day he was telling me the story, he said, I still have goose pimples, thinking about it. They just came out of nowhere. They were like Fulani headsmen. This was many years ago. They said they spoke good English. They said their English was good. It was noticeable to him that these guys, the English was very good. They told him to sit down in the car. He was tired. He had not eaten because he was participating in a particular fast. So he sat in the vehicle. I mean, it was, no, it was sunning and all of that. He told him to sit in the car. So they, didn't tell, they didn't ask him a question. They went to his boot, opened it, brought out his jack, brought out the spare, jacked the car, put the new one in. When they finished, that they were done. He said, Banky, I had these 200 naira notes. That's 100 naira. So I gave them one of it and thanked them. Said so they took it. He was driving to Kano. He said, when he got to Kano, he parked and saw the money. One was in his pocket. The other one was lying on the seat. The one he gave those men was lying on the seat. And he noticed that as soon as he, you know, they took the money, he looked to tell them bye-bye. He didn't see them again. He said, he said Banky, if you know Northern Nigeria, it's generally very flat. He said, where could they have disappeared to? After we reasoned about it, we said, angels change his tire. They walk around. They, 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 they lead you home. Sometimes, they, look, problem is coming around you. They just block you around. Nobody sees you. They just become a world of defense around you. Nobody sees you. Troublemakers are there hunting for people. They don't see you. What am I going to say? If I have affliction, I have troubles in my life, I first look upwards and inwards. Satan is up to something. He can't take my cable. He doesn't live in my room. The people I suspect when my cable is missing is because one is my wife, the other are my children. That's why I can suspect them. I don't suspect people that they don't come into my home. What's my problem with the devil? Does he ride in my car? I don't have a problem with him. Listen, Satan has few jobs he does. Number one, he tempts. He deceives, and then he accuses. It's when temptation heightens in your life that you will say Satan is up to something. I hope you are getting my point. It's not that you have affliction. If you have affliction, you come on, you get on your knees and pray. You tell the Lord, what's going on here? What's going on here? Why did I invest my money and disappeared? He will tell it. Look, you will find out. Sometimes, instantly, other times, over time, you come for a meeting like this, you get a, a message, you are listening to it, and as they are playing the message, as it happened to you before, when you replay it again, you can't find the thing you heard inside. Who has ever had that experience? You say, this was the tape I was listening to now, but you can't find that thing again. Why? You thought you were listening to the words of a man, but the Holy Spirit was writing upon those words and talking to you directly. Later, you, you can't give one of your friends, now nah, listen to this, listen to this. The guy listened. All they did was read some some psalm inside. Now, what's in the inside? They said, "What's wrong with you?" He said, "Nothing's wrong with him. Holy Spirit is not talking to him." <laughs> On the thing the Holy Spirit was talking to you about, he's not talking to him about it. So the Lord will write on different words to bring correction to you. I say, "My boy, that's not how they do it." My girl, mm, it's not like that. So, in the midst of affliction, please let's not focus on the devil or the affliction itself. Bear this in mind. Let's just continue here. So he said, "What are they supposed to do?" They should focus on Christ that's on the cross. They should focus on him attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze. If they will do that, they will live. If they will do that, they will live. 
He will cure every affliction without even thinking about it. Let me assure you of something. You know, I saw something the other day. This is very true. Okay? Now, these are first. If science spoke differently, I would disagree with them. But when they explain, express the word of God in reality, do you understand? Then we have to agree with them. All right? But let me show you something that they said. They found out that those who go to church live longer than those who don't. Yeah, scientific study. That if you go to church, okay, see. This is the title of this newspaper report in the UK. Women who go to church are less likely to die early. Going to church is good for women's health and can cut the risk of dying early by one third. Yes. It can, it says, Attending just once a week is linked to a lower risk of death from all causes. A study in the United States have shown. Researchers say they do not know why, but expect it has to do with optimum optimism and a sense of community overcoming the effects of stress and depression. I say it's a lie. It's a, <laughs> when you come around the word of God, there's something does to you. I like the way this woman said, Bobby Mason. He said you have to stop by the church sometime. Says something may be said to set you on your way. Say just listen to the preacher preach or hearing the choir sing. He said you will hear something that will set you on your way. You know the truth? The word will enter you and set you on your feet. I won't read more than that. Listen, he said those who went, just one more part, and I was say those who went weekly had a 25% lower risk, and those who attended service less than weekly had a 13% lower risk. If you just go once in a, two weeks, once in a month, the, the risk is cut down by 13%. But if you go weekly, 26% reduction. Let me just stop it here. They have their risk. They are trying to investigate why. Okay, that maybe if you go to church, you won't smoke. Maybe you go to, I say it's a lie. Once you come, you know I've been saying it in recent times. You must go to church. You must go to, see, even if what they are doing is singing hymns. Immortal, invisible, God only wise. Give me the next line. Approachable, he from my eyes. Most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days. Almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. If you sing that once a week, you will live longer. You have not come and say, Lord, help me. No, no, no. You just went and sang his praise. Please, I don't mean to insult Pentecostals. Please, I don't mean anything. I, please, please, I beg, no vex. You know, I tell you, Pentecostals sometimes, yeah. They are really filled with the Spirit. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying, when they, no, it's, no wonder they said, these people are drunk with wine. <laughs> if the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and that's what you are doing. One day, a friend of mine, no, a cousin of mine came to my house. So my friend was in my room. My friend came to stay with me that time. We were, li- we're living in the same town, but his house was different, so, but he was serving, I was in my house job. So he said, they come to my house, stay, so just stay over. So that day, in the evening, my, friend, my cousin came to visit me. We're in the sitting room. My friend inside the room. He was praying. So my cousin said, do you have, <laughs> he said, do you have a dog? 
He said, do you have a dog? I said, no. He said, what is that? I said, I said my friend is praying. He said, eh. They have that wire. He said, no, no, I'm sure. Do you, are you sure you don't have a dog? I didn't know how to explain to him that, Ross, that's how my friend prays. <laughs> because my friend used to actually pray. The point is that you think he's back. <laughs> now, I never thought so until this guy pointed out that, ah, and he has never been to a Pentecostal church. He never been to a Pentecostal church. He was like, ah, somebody's praying. That's, that is not possible. Now, if Holy Spirit comes on you and is that doing like hyena, it doesn't matter. Anyone? <laughs> it's okay. What I'm going to say is that that is not, it's not that, that along, it's not that gyration. You sing it as hymns, it works. It does. It does. Just sing. Please tell everybody, go to church. Make it, please start singing that song to everybody. I don't mean go to a cathedral. I hope I get my point. Church can be, it can be 10 people. It can be 20. It can be a hundred. Just make sure it's a church. One reason is that some place people go, I don't know whether it's a church. I didn't say go to a show. Go to church. A place where they read scriptures and they focus on reading it. They offer praises to God. They offer prayers in, you know, in unity. Go. It will heal you of diseases you did not know you had. That's where I'm going. There are problems I want to start in your life. God will just look and say, ah, my daughter can't handle this one. Somebody will just invite you to church. First service, the problem will put it in reverse. Second service, the problem will accelerate further in reverse. Third service, the problem will find somebody else. And you will never know. This life is full of spirits. This life is full of spirits. Today I was reading somewhere in the news. A man, they say, was caught for raping a is it four-year-old boy. A man. Now, it made me think that why on God's earth will a man do that? Is it four or seven? Seven-year-old. I said, why on God's earth will a man do that? Then, of course, you know, there was no point asking. I knew the answer. It's an evil spirit. This life is full of spirits. Spirits. When you come to the center of the garden of the people of God, where the word of God is being preached, where Jesus is being magnified, where praises arise to the throne of God, those spirits move back. When you carry that attitude to your home, the spirits don't come back there. I've been married for a number of years. You know, I harass small, small boys. People that are counting, today is our sixth week anniversary. <laughs> I harass people like that with it. In this life, you have to use something to harass some people. I married for a number of years. And I have children. They are growing now. And I came to the conclusion. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can save. Hallelujah. I've come to that conclusion. There's no method for a happy marriage. Oh, there's none. 
There's none. There's no method for when you do like this, the children will be well behaved. Flog the children. Don't give them the word of God. You know that that flogging has been shown statistically to make them hard and mean. You want to use principles without having the spirit. The very things you use to make a woman happy is the reason why she, you won't know what she's thinking of. I'm telling you, I have found out in spirit, this life, we are battling spirits. If you want to win, come to the father of all spirits. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, it's important. There is a spirit of strife. There is a spirit of anger. There's a spirit of jealousy. There's a spirit of murder. There are spirits that possess children. They can't behave normally. Spirits who possess children. They start using drugs. Father has money. He has the best doctors, best psychiatrists, best counselors, best everything. I always like the story of Pastor Paul Adifarasi and his, and his family. The father had a lot of money. Send them all over the world with money. The brother was talking. His father used to give, I think, $50,000 those days a year. How much is everybody in? Is it pounds or so? So he had, a, he had a flat or a house in the UK. Young boy, teenager. And he had two cars. So all we did weekends was cocaine. So they had money. He ran away from London, went to the US. He got crazier. It's as if that, no, they are the ones that told the story, so nothing, I watched it on television. You know what delivered all of them? Pastor Paul had the same experience. You know what delivered them? Their mother went to church. Their, see, <laughs> one day I was in Lagos, and the mom came to church, and I said, this woman will serve God. There's no way this woman won't serve God. Because what money could not do, Jesus did for her. Delivered all those her boys and made them preachers, one by one. Preachers with responsible homes. Pastor Paul, one day he came to Enugu, was preaching. He said that one day, he noticed that his son was doing something that he used to do. So his father, he said, go and have your bath. The boy will enter the house, carry water, rub it on his hair, and come out. And he said, have you had the bath? He would say, yes. So you touch the hair, the hair is white, wet. <laughs> so when they cut the boy, he touched the rest of the body, dry. <laughs> He brought his belt. Say, beat the boy. <laughs> now, where I'm going, he said, You want to do to me what I did to my father? He said, Lie, lie. He said, I won't let you do to me what I did to my father. He said, He knew he frustrated his father. Almost killed the man if he did not. He and his brothers. He said, Ah, you want to do to me what I did to my father? He said, No, I won't let it start. Because I said, They take start. Next thing, go begin smoking, go. Next you go back, okay. Then me, I'll go through that again. He said, not in another generation. So that thing is not repeating itself in this generation. Where am I going? How did they get the difference? I found out their mother went to church. She went and knelt and prayed. Why would they do more? I don't go to church. I look at you and say, you think you are, too, you are too good for God? You know why many who behave like that? They think we are looking for their offering. When you come to church, how much will they give? Nah, lie. You are sick. We say, come and collect treatment. You are doing shakara. Treatment that somebody has paid for. 
We are battling spirits. You can't have good children without the infusion of the spirit. You can't have a good home without the infusion of the spirit. Please drag everybody to church by force. And please, whoever listen to this, don't drop your children in children's church. Then you go to adults' joints. It's not, it's not allowed. Not like adult joint. Some adults do it now. They drop children in church and they will drive to one place be drinking. They're drinking and smoking. Thinking that church is for when your eye never open. The point is this. Don't do it. When you drop in children's church, you enter adult church. If you don't like the adult church, they go to another. Find a place. The church doesn't have to be fine. All this on the of air conditioning church. We have AC. I'm not saying AC is bad though. Please, you have to know what I'm saying. Uh-huh. AC is good, but that's not what you are looking for. You are looking for the word of God. Where everything is based on scripture. That's what you are looking for. Even if the pastor is not heavily anointed, she is reading the Bible. Even if it's a branch pastor who is not really a pastor, just a businessman that they promoted. You know, there are people like that. As long as he's honest, say praise the Lord. Today we are going to read the book of Psalms. You know it's not anointed. Don't worry. The Psalms is anointed. <laughs> you know, they, I've been to church like that. You wonder, Pastor, who called you? <laughs> You're just wondering, who, who called you to ministry? I'm sure it's your geo. Not Jesus Christ. And they, you want to sleep? Keep awake. Let him read the Psalms. I'm telling you, the word has life in itself. That's the point I'm making. The word of God has life in it. Just sit down there and absorb it. These days they want to tell us, Jean, Jean, eh, eh, eh. genes can be silenced. You can go and read up what they call epigenetic modifications. Genes can be silenced. If you have bad gene, you go to church, the spirit will silence it. If you have a good gene that is silent, the spirit will, will wake it up. And if they don't have the proper gene, the spirit will insert it. Ah, uh-uh, of course. I have read enough of science to know that these spirits go into genes. They come with scissors. Cut here, cut here, join it, put the correct one. Sometimes when they are evil, I want to punish person. They will go there, remove, remove, join it. So nobody will be normal in this family again. You put rubbish inside. The spirit will go there, un- unwind the nonsense they have put, put the correct one, join it back. How won't you go to church? Why won't you read scripture? Listen, let me see what I call church. You can, you can create church in the house. I hope you're getting my point. Please, I don't know why, I'm, why am I sticking on this. Let me show you how to do church in the home. Say, Pastor Banky, am I supposed to learn how to preach? No, just learn how to read. What did I say? Now, I want to say something that will make some people laugh. If you don't know how to organize service, go and get daily devotional. Gather everybody. Let us pray. Uh, like the one in my house, Jeremiah chapter 10, we do that a lot. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great. And great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed is your due. For among all the wise leaders of the nation and all their kingdoms, there is no one like you. But they are all together stupid and foolish. In their discipline of deletion, their idol is wood. No. It, sorry, for time's sake. You will read that from Jeremiah chapter 10. From verse 6 all the way to verse 16. We read that a lot in the house. Why do the hidden rage? And if we imagine a vain thing, you read that one also. There are different scriptures like that we read first. Then we say, where is the Bible reading for today? Revelation chapter 1. 
I read that one in the house maybe like three times, four times in a row. Yeah, read it again. We describe Jesus Christ. You don't have to be anointed to read them. The word is anointed. When you finish reading, say, let us pray. Let's give the Lord thanks. Everybody gives thanks. Thanks. Let's commit today into the hands of the Lord. Then share grace. In fact, the way that we do it in my house, if we help you, will not end with Psalm 121. I always say, like, where does our hell come from? Everybody knows that. Our hell comes from the Lord. Who made the heaven and earth? We don't allow food to, to sleep. He watches all his next number. Behold, it, I keep to the heaven never slumber to sleep. The Lord is our keeper. The Lord is our shed our rider. We just change like that. At the end, let us share the grace. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are sitting high above with Christ. This is our season of preaching and dominion. That's it. We leave the place. 15 minutes. 20 minutes. Like I said, get daily devotional. Study it first before you come. Take one or two lessons, but make sure there's abundant reading of scripture. If you do that, if you do that, you introduce the spirit of Christ into the environment. Listen, you will drive out the spirit of infirmity. You will drive out the spirit of infirmity. You will drive out the spirit of troubles. You will drive out all kinds of spirits. And you bring in the spirit of health, the spirit of healing, the spirit of prosperity, the spirit of abundance, the spirit of righteousness, the spirit of holiness, the spirit that does not allow children to smoke book. The day the boy drags one rap, he will have malaria for four days. He won't confess to you, don't worry. God said, don't confess to your father. You will break his heart. Just relax. I go seek you well, well. Not like to seek somebody. It's modern English. To seek <laughs> After that, the fellow will never smoke again. The friend says, ah, let's go and drink. We'll give him one shot of kind, kind. Jesus said, you have to choose the kind of spirit you have. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. I came here first. Holy Spirit talking. Say, your father, your mother put me here. The boy will vomit until blood comes out. After that, he will swear, say, Lord, before I was afflicted, I went astray. And then he said the friend, say, all of you, waka, waka, waka. I'm wakarin' away. (laughs) You think there's a method? There's no method, though. Just drag their butts to church. Drag them to where they hear the word. Bring church into the house. Listen, you can't raise the next generation without Christ. It's not possible. Like I said, please, let us learn to approve the things that are excellent. Oh, let's preach our message for today. <laughs> so I'll make a particular point, all right? So what we do is to focus on Christ. Many times we focus on our troubles, but it's not supposed to be. Let me just establish this, and then we'll leave it. The first thing, now, as we go on, please, this is my aim. The prayer we're going to pray here, remember I said that there is a, there are different kinds of prayer, and this particular kind of prayer which I found in scripture, which I never heard anybody use that expression, but I call it our conversation. How do I know? From that Malachi chapter 3 we read now, he said, those who feared the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord heard. That's why I brought it up. Now when we talk one to another, the Lord is hearing. 
And God responded to what he heard. So we are discussing, we are talking about Jesus Christ. In that process, we are focusing on the serpent that's on the pole. For example, just simple talk. If you agree with me, say amen. amen. I have not said anything. What are you saying amen to? Wait now, let me say what you agree with first. Do you know Jesus is a healer? Say the amen. Now that's why I need the amen. You agree? Do you know with him, there's nothing that is incurable? Do you know it takes him as much power to cure malaria as to cure cancer? Do you know there's no gene he cannot rearrange? There's no brain he can't wake up. They may say it's a stroke. Do you know Jesus can create a new brain? Do you know that Lazarus was properly dead? Properly dead. Fully dead. Completely dead. Yeah, Jesus spoke a word. said, Lazarus, come forth. And the one that was dead came back out alive. Is that not true? Do you know there was nobody he met that cried out to him they did not answer? Do you know that? Do you know he heals all kinds of diseases? Do you know actually to make sure that everything is well done, he died to pay. Sickness and affliction. And Jesus paid to cure us of all afflictions. Are you aware that he himself took our infirmities and our diseases? And by his stripes, we have been healed. It's a particular scripture that I love so much. Let me just quote it. It's so beautiful. Isaiah said, have you not heard? Have you not known that the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is not weary? There's no searching his understanding. He said he gives power to the weak. Those who are weak, he gives them strength. He said those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with with wings like eagles. They will run. Let's just read that scripture, please. Isaiah chapter 40. I like the way he said it. He said, do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. He said, his understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, increases power. He said, though youths may grow weary, he said, though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Have you not heard this one before? Yeah, that's it. That's the God we are dealing with. With him, nothing shall be impossible. If he says to you, leave, nothing can kill you. David said it like this. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. I'm saying to somebody today, you have not been given over to death. He said, the Lord has disciplined me severely. It means he went through afflictions. Sometimes the affliction is illnesses. 
But he said, he has not given me over to death. So why is the affliction there? He said, he disciplined. Anytime you see the word discipline, it means I'm supposed to be corrected. Every time you see the word discipline, I'm supposed to learn something. Now let me pray for anyone listening to this. What's to learn? Receive understanding concerning it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. But listen to this. He has not given you over to death. Amen. You will recover absolutely. Amen. He will heal you completely. Amen. Why? Because Jesus paid for it. Let me explain something and then we'll close. We began today by reading from that uh, book of Acts chapter 10. He said how you heard of Jesus Christ. How God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around doing good and what? What did he say next? And what? Healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Let me tell you something about oppression. Time will not allow us now. But sickness, troubles came to this earth because of sin. Without the fall of man, death would not have been possible. That's why I said to man, dust thou art, to dust you will return. That was when death, physical death was introduced. So what will have happened? People will have stayed on the earth forever. No, they will have been translated. Yes, will have been translated. The time for translation will have happened. Because what Jesus was doing, all right, what God wanted to do is this. We make the dust, we breathe into him, Introduce the soul of man to stay in there and begin to commune with him until he is transformed into the image of God. And once he is transformed into that image, we give him of the tree of life. He eats it and lives forever. Oh, why was the tree there? Why was the tree there? The tree was there for a purpose. And that's why he had to cut him off. Say, so lest he eats. It was supposed to eat at a particular point in time. But when he has been fully translated, transformed, they will have had the kind of body that Jesus had. So walking between earth and heaven would not have been a problem. So don't worry about overpopulation. This earth will have been enough. Listen. So when I see mom is going to, they are going to Pluto, Mars, say, want to see whether we can colonize Mars. Jeshurun became fat and kicked. It's nonsense. We have not colonized the desert. It's cheaper to colonize the desert than to go to Mars. So when Elon Musk is high on, when he, you know, the guy smokes Igbo, when he has smoked Igbo, he will not say, I'm going to Mars. No, nonsense. See, it's not out of need. It's out of fullness. When you have eaten and you are full, you take the name of the Lord in vain. Nonsense. If it's space we are looking for, there's abundant space on this earth. You know that most of the earth is oceans. Do you know there are populations that live only on the oceans? They live on floating things. They fish. That's their whole life. What I want to say is that 10 times the number of people on this earth right now cannot fill this earth yet. The space we have, Sahara Desert is mostly empty. You know, people, nobody sees these things. And I say, let us see when we are too full, go to Jupiter. Asteroid will kill all of you there. Now, I'm just going to emphasize something. So don't be impressed. Don't let anybody just scare you with nonsense talk. If we need space, with the amount of technology we have and power to shoot things into 
that depth of space. We, can, we will colonize the desert on this earth and have space for a few more billions of people. We haven't done that. No, but that's not, that's not my gist. My gist is that we have not filled this earth. We have not filled this solar system. We have not. Our sun in our Milky Way galaxy. They said if you put the whole... Okay, let's not go there. If you put the whole solar system and turn it to the size of the Pacific Ocean. Hmm? No, sorry, I'm saying the wrong thing. Our galaxy, if you shrink it to the Pacific Ocean side, not Pacific Ocean, all right, the whole Pacific Ocean, the largest ocean, if you bring it down to that size, our whole solar system will show up on it as a grain of rice. Go and figure that out. Just our galaxy. If you want to worship God, better worship God. This galaxy alone, if we're able to shrink it to the scale of the Pacific Ocean, our solar system, sun, and all the planets, and all the space around, would be about the size of a grain of rice floating on the Pacific, including the depth, the width, everything. What am I going to say? So it would not have been a problem for God. Adam matures, the east of the tree of life is translated. He can walk around the galaxies. He can. God not plan for anybody to die. It's the reason why he's bringing everybody back again. And all the ones that believe in Christ Jesus, he'll give them that body that Adam did not mature to. That's not a joke. If you study enough physics, you know what I'm saying is not a joke. Look, if all the physics you are doing is distance of the earth from uh, the moon, you don't know anything. I'm talking about studying tiny quantum physics. You know everything I'm saying makes sense. Everything I'm saying. Now, let's get back to the main message. The message is this. God did not plan for anybody to die. Sickness came in because of sin. Because God issued forth the word, dust thou art to dust you will return. That's it. Now, what do you call? Now, I want to explain what they call the just recompense of reward. So anytime somebody suffers the effect of sin, it is never oppression. It's never called an oppression. What is oppression? Oppression is when, listen to this, sin has been forgiven. And you are still suffering. That is what is called what? Oppression. When sin has been forgiven and we are still suffering, that is oppression. Why did Jesus heal those who were oppressed? If they did not go for baptism of John, he didn't heal them. They were not oppressed. They were under the just recompense of reward for disobedience. But once they went to John for baptism, John was preaching the baptism of what? Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Once their sins were forgiven by reason of that baptism, every sickness, every affliction after that day was called what? Oppression. So as soon as Jesus came, began to pop his fingers, speak to people, be healed, get up and walk, get up. Why? Because they had been what? Forgiven. So that's why you look at a man. Son, your sins are forgiven. 
That was what gave him the right to tell that young man, get up and walk. What am I saying? If you are being washed by the blood of Jesus, every affliction is an oppression. That's where I'm going. Every affliction is what? Oppression. Oppression. And we need to rise up and say, no. All we're saying is, we have been forgiven. Please go back and read the book, Walk by Faith. Why am I emphasizing reading Walk by Faith? What you need to do is change the way you reason. Just by thinking differently. You wake up one morning and you are well. You have not said, I command you in the name of Jesus. No. Just start thinking differently. You rise, wake up one morning, I just discover you are well. Before, before you run from here today, your chest is paining you, you are panting. <laughs> now go make somebody snatch your bag just for the sake of exercise. You will pants after, you know what to pants after somebody? You will pants after the person. God will let the guy run well. Well, I've done 15 meters, you can't grab it. Give me my bag. Then before you say like the guy will just cross the road and disappear. But if you collected your bag, don't mind him. When you finish say don't mind him, you hiss. Then he don't know you. Wait, oh, I just ran 50 meters. I'm not short of breath. There's no pain in my chest. You now start, you now be starting to recollect. When did this happen? You don't even know. But you know over the last one month, you began to understand things differently. That's why I tell people. You must go to church. You, you know what I mean by church? Everywhere the word is being read. Thank you. I like the way somebody said read. Everywhere the word is being read. People are worshiping. Let's rise to our feet. I wish I had printed a hymn. I would have loved to sing a hymn. It would have been so nice. Just like the one we were singing before. Just to praise the name of the Lord. But we don't have a hymn right now. But let's just raise our hands and worship him for a minute. Let's start by worshiping the Father. Say, our Father, creator of the heavens and the earth, we worship you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. To you be glory and dominion, and honor forever and ever. Lord Jesus, we worship you too. Hallowed be your name. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Hallowed be your name. You are the first, you are the last, Lord Jesus. Hallowed be your name. You are the living one. You are dead. Look, you are alive forevermore. Hallowed be your name. You hold the keys of death and of Hades. Hallowed be your name. You are the one who holds the seven stars in your right hand. And you walk among the seven golden lampstands. We said, Hallowed be your name. We say, hallowed be your name. The first, the last, who was dead and has come to life. We worship you and praise you forever. The one who has a sharp, double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. 
We worship you. We worship you forever. The Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, with feet like burnished bronze, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. He that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, we worship you. You, the Holy One, the True One, who holds the keys of David, who opens and no one can shut, and who shuts and no one can open. We worship you. Jesus, we bow before you. We say you are our king, and you are the king of kings. You are our Lord, and you are the Lord of lords. You are the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the whole world. Mighty God. Hallelujah, we worship you. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. We give you thanks. For freeing us from our sins. And making us a kingdom of priests unto the Father. We thank you. Let's thank the Father. Let's worship the Son for the forgiveness of sins. Take a minute for that. I say to everyone listening to me, your sins have been forgiven. 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 Receive healing, therefore, in the name of Jesus. Because everything is not an affliction. Every affliction is not an oppression, I wanted to say. To the one whose sins have been forgiven, every, every affliction is not an oppression. So I say it again. Your sins have been forgiven you. Because of your faith in the sacrifice of Jesus, your sins have been forgiven you. Therefore, total health is your portion. Total health is your portion. Therefore, total health is your portion. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let's give a lot of thanks. Let's just thank you. We'll continue next time. Let's just thank the Lord. Say, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you.